is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877 We are the cleanup hitter. We're really the morning show for the next, the next day, if you think about it. Oops. But all that said, um, I wanted to play for you. And by the way, when I come on the air, I don't have the foggiest idea what most of these other hosts have done before me. I'm too busy working. Too busy working. So I say, Mark, I already heard that, but you haven't heard from me. Now, you all know what a reprobate I think Chuck Todd is, schmuck Todd, and uh, what a hack, a Democrat Party hack he is. He always has been, his wife is. It's in the family. And they destroyed Meet the Press by putting this guy in there, which is why I call it Meet the Depressed. Tim Russert was fantastic, even though he had been a long-time Democrat, he figured out how to do his job. And before that, Jola Spivak, when I was a kid, I used to watch it. And now they bring in this reprobate, Chuck Todd, who is unlistenable, which is why his ratings suck. Now that said, uh, I saw a clip at Right Scoop in which it sounded like Chuck Todd needed to make a call to a uh, psychiatrist. He was getting very concerned about what was happening to his buddy, Joe Biden. But he, uh, he's warning the Democrats, oh, we have a problem here, we have a problem here. Now those of us who voted against Joe Biden and for Donald Trump, we knew we had a problem before the election with Joe Biden. We knew he was nonsensical. We knew he had medical issues, let me put it that way. We knew he was a chameleon. And we knew he'd be rogue and out of control because that's his entire Senate career. And there's Chuck Todd based in Washington, D.C. on Meet the Depressed. But they so hated Trump and hated us and frankly hated their own country that they covered for the Bidens, Hunter Biden, and all the rest of them. Not one of them asked for any medical evidence of his cognizance. Not one of them asked for any evidence of what medicines he's taking. Of course not. 
And now he's humiliating our country overseas. He's making a damn fool of himself. And he's our president. Or at least he's the president of part of the country. So let us listen to Schmuck Todd on Meet the Depressed. Cut 27, go. Happy Halloween. We have a brand new NBC News poll out this morning that's filled with some scary news for the Democrats. The overarching message, Americans have lost their confidence in President Biden and their optimism for the country. At least they have right now. Just 22% of adults say we're headed in the right direction. A shocking 71% say we're on the wrong track. And that includes a near majority of Democrats who are saying that. President Biden's approval rating stands at a dismal 42% versus 54% who disapprove. Believe it or not, just two months ago, Mr. Biden was in positive territory. 49% approving, 48% disapproving. So what's pulling down the president's numbers? Well, look at this set of numbers. Just 37% say he has the ability right now to handle a crisis versus nearly a majority who say he does not. 37% also say he's competent and effective as president. 50% disagree with that description. What's more, Republicans, believe it or not, have double-digit leads in dealing with border security, inflation, crime, national security, the economy, and shockingly on getting things done. All right, stop. So in other words, Republicans, believe it or not, because he's talking to his Democrat viewers, and shockingly getting things done. Oh, wow. NBC. Go ahead. Democrats hold generally smaller double-digit leads on dealing with climate change, the coronavirus, education, and abortion. And that's really it right now. It's not clear yet whether any deal struck by Democrats on the social spending and infrastructure bills will nudge Mr. Biden's numbers back into positive territory, or whether the damage to his reputation is more of a scar than a bruise. But this much is clear about the only good news for Mr. Biden and the Democrats in this poll is that the midterm elections aren't for another year. President Biden struggling at home, now facing allies in Europe without the political victory he had been hoping for. The 18-point Republican edge on handling of the economy is fueled by economic pessimism. 79% call the economy fair or poor. Just 41% of Democrats believe the country is headed in the right direction, down 23 points since April. Now, all these fools in Congress who pretend to be moderate Democrats... Surely this must get some of their attentions, unless they're political uh, suicide operatives. And that includes Manchin. That includes Manchin. Because Manchin, who was about to uh, throw in with the radical nut jobs, seems to have pulled back ever so slightly. He was on, excuse me, he was at a press conference today. Cut 16, Mr. Producer. And here is what he said. Go. I, for one, won't support a multi-trillion dollar bill without greater clarity about why Congress chooses to ignore the serious effects of inflation and debt that have on our economy and existing government programs. For example, how can I, in good conscience, vote for a bill that proposes massive expansion to social programs when vital programs like Social Security and Medicare face insolvency? And benefits could start being reduced as soon as 2026 in Medicare and 2033 in Social Security. How does that make sense? And I don't think it does. Meanwhile, elected leaders continue to ignore exploding inflation, that our national debt continues to grow, and interest payments on the debt will start to rapidly increase when the Fed has to start raising interest rates to try to slow down this runaway inflation. 
Because I'm predicting right now, if Manchin votes for this, he will be done. For good and forever. Because there is a rising pushback, opposition to all of this. And it started with you folks in this audience. Whether people outside this audience, on cable TV or radio or elsewhere, recognize it, we recognize it. And we have been building this, and you have been building this, for the last eight months. For the last eight months. Manchin also said this, cut 15, go. For the sake of the country, I urge the House to vote and pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Holding this bill hostage is not going to work in getting my support for reconciliation bill. Throughout the last three months, I've been straightforward about my concerns that I will not support a reconciliation package that expands social programs and irresponsibly adds to our $29 trillion in national debt that no one seems to really care about or even talk about. Nor will I support a package that risks hurting American families suffering from historic inflation. Simply put, I will not support a bill that is this consequential without thoroughly understanding the impact that it'll have on our national debt, our economy, and most importantly, all of our American people. That is a big change from what he's been saying over the last few months. That is a throwdown. Now, Manchin zigzags, so it's quite possible he might zig or zag again. But I'm telling you, these numbers on Biden are the numbers for the Democrat Party. And in this respect, Schmucktot is correct. They are damn happy that the midterm elections aren't tomorrow. Because they would be blown out. They'd be blown out of the Senate and they'd be blown out of the House. There's simply no question about it. Under Joe Biden and the Democrats, the nation is deteriorating. It's unraveling. We're moving from the number one superpower to embracing third world policies. And that is precisely what's happening. Under a man, a president of the United States, who is clearly hobbled by his mental uh, uh, lack of, uh, what am I trying to say? Lack of competence. I'll put it that way. Now we're going to spend some attention, of course, on what's happening tomorrow in Virginia. But keep in mind, people have already been voting. Tomorrow is the big day for people who haven't voted. And most Republicans vote on Election Day. And let's see if there's going to be an army of Republicans and independents and some crossover Democrats who turn out and say enough is enough. The insanity that's going on in our schools in particular, the insanity that's going on with Democrat policies. All Democrats are not radical Marxist leftists. Unfortunately, most Democrat officials are. And is Virginia going to send a signal to the rest of the country that enough is enough? This is a blue state, Virginia. Also, I've pointed out that Terry McAuliffe hired Mark Elias. I was the first to point it out. I was the first to warn that he's going to try and steal this election. And so a reprobate group of individuals over at Mediate, which is this crazy goofball Dan Abrams site, got very upset about it. Very, very upset. So they lie. They lie about Mark Elias. They lie about how he's, how he's been involved in all these campaigns to try and reverse the outcome of actual elections. They cover it up. Now, here we go again, challenging an election, right. They challenged George W. Bush in 2000. They challenged Donald Trump in 2016. Donald Trump challenges them in 2020. It's like the end of the world. Only the Democrats get to call presidents illegitimate. Only Democrats get to impeach presidents. Only Democrats get to 
uh, run coups against presidents. Only the Democrats get to say somebody's an illegitimate president. Well, not here. Not here. I don't play by their rules, ever. Mediaite is a joke. It is an appendage of Media Matters. That's where all the little uh, children over there get their ideas from Media Matters, and then they regurgitate them. This Mark Elias is a very, very dangerous man when it comes to democracy, in my view. And I know this to be true, because Jonathan Turley, the day after I mentioned it, he mentioned it. And he's all over Fox as a special guest, stating so. You don't need to listen to all that. I say it right here. First and foremost. We'll be right back. in. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. There was a shocking, dirty trick that took place over the weekend with the McCulloch campaign and the Democrats that has not received the kind of media attention that it deserves. I mean, shocking. And so Matthew Foldy, who writes for the Washington Free Beacon, has figured all this out. And so I wanted to bring him on to discuss what the Democrats, what McCulloch, what that whole crowd did. And I want the people of Virginia and the United States to understand, in my view, this is par for the course. Matthew, how are you, sir? Mark, I'm doing great. It's an honor to join you today. Thank you very, very much. Explain what took place and then break it down for us. Sure. So what we saw happen over the weekend was obvious collusion in broad daylight between Terry McAuliffe's campaign for governor, the liberal super PAC, the Lincoln Project, and local and national liberal media. So Glenn Youngkin, the Republican running for governor of Virginia, is barnstorming the state on a bus tour. And the McAuliffe campaign suddenly freaked out and said it was disqualifying and disgusting for uh, three white men, one black man and one white woman who showed up in front of the Glenn Youngkin bus with tiki torches to evoke the neo-Nazis at Charlottesville in 2017 the Youngkin campaign and local media immediately put this out without any critical thinking, realizing that this is almost certainly a stunt. It took very little time to realize, actually, these are almost certainly Democratic staffers. And then within a couple hours, the Lincoln Project, which is this liberal super PAC we'll talk a lot about in a bit, said, we did this. It was entirely us. The McAuliffe campaign had nothing to do with this even though the McAuliffe campaign was involved from the get-go in pushing this complete hoax. So this is not what you do if you're a Democratic campaign in a Dem state and you're winning. 
I think this was an act of desperation. And they were caught very easily, but it was it really took conservatives and conservative media pointing this out. And then after the fact, we saw national media say, well, this was a Republican group doing this, uh, pretending that the Lincoln Project is anything other than a Democratic Party front group. Mm-hmm. Now, we're able to know that McAuliffe and the Democrats were involved how? So they were, right when this happened, the McAuliffe campaign was tweeting out pictures of the staff and interacting with local Virginia news reporters saying that this stunt by the, by the Youngkin campaign is, quote, disqualifying and disgusting, is what one of the McAuliffe campaign spokeswomen described it as. She's since deleted that tweet because it's now revealed, actually, all of this was orchestrated by the Lincoln Project in, I think, pretty obvious coordination with the McAuliffe campaign. The Lincoln Project has been spending you know, a lot of liberal money uh, to elect McAuliffe, running ads evoking the uh, Charlottesville protests in 2017. And so this, I think, was their culmination, thinking, well, no one would ever catch us. And, well, they would have gotten away with it if it weren't for conservative media. And it does remind you of the National School Board uh, letter and then five days later the Attorney General acts. The fact that the McAuliffe campaign was poised and immediately struck and immediately went with the media and immediately was trying to exploit this. That's a lot of fingerprints and DNA all over this. And uh, same with the Democrat Party. But it is amazing to me, Matthew, the extent to which this was not even a one-day story. They just, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the dirty tricks of this sort. I mean, I thought dirty tricks of this sort were the past, but apparently not, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of my friends described the McAuliffe campaign as a producers-like scheme to lose an election. Because at this point, every scheme they're doing is not what you do if you want to win an election. You saw he canceled a rally today. He's staging neo-Nazi hate marches because he's trying to portray his, Repub- his Republican opponent as this evil racist. And I think you made a great point. The McAuliffe campaign seized on this so quickly, it's almost as if they worked on this in advance with the Lincoln Project, which again, is currently spending money to elect Terry McAuliffe. Matthew Foley, great job, my friend. I much appreciate it. We look forward to reading more. The Washington Free Beacon. Take care of yourself. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great night. You too. Be well. More when I return. It's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. McAuliffe is running ads in the state of Virginia that are just so sleazy, so outrageous, trying to scare the hell out of people. And I just hope that there's enough smart people still left in this state that they're not going to fall for these tactics anymore. Because Terry McAuliffe is a bottom feeder. That's what he is. He's a snake. He's always on his belly, slithering around. This is all he knows. That's why he was the Clinton's bagman for all those years. So take a listen to this. Cut one, hat tip, PJ Media. Go. Here's the threat. Republicans have already attacked our capital. Attacked state capitals. 
infiltrated our school boards, caused chaos. I reject them saying that they're coming for me, that they're that I need to beg for mercy, and harassed our kids. Now they have their target on Virginia, on your kids, on your family. This is Glenn Youngkin's Republican Party. This election was a fraud. How many of y'all believe that there was fraud in this past election? Uh-huh. And if he's elected, no Virginian is safe. Midas Touch sponsored this ad. I want you to listen to it again, because this is all over the state of Virginia, because Terry McAuliffe will not run on substance. He will not do it, because he's a buffoon. And he's embraced this radical agenda that's destroying the country right now and dragging down Joe Biden's numbers and the Democrat Party's numbers. So it just... Slam after slam, sleaze after sleaze. They tried the neo-Nazi thing, they've tried other things, and now this again, go. Here's the threat. Republicans have already attacked our capital. Attacked state capitals. Infiltrated our school boards. Caused chaos. I reject them saying that they're coming for me, that that I need to beg for mercy. And harassed our kids. Now, they have their target on Virginia. On your kids, on your family. This is Glenn Youngkin's Republican Party. This election was a fraud. How many of y'all believe that there was fraud in this past election? Uh huh. And if he's elected, no Virginian is safe. Midas Touch sponsored this ad. No Virginian safe. The same Terry McAuliffe who twice has questioned elections with George W. Bush and Donald Trump. No Virginian safe from what? See, it's a majority Democrat state now, so he's running to scare his own party. Now, I would ask the Democrats out there, is this what you want? Does this sound like a leader? Does this sound like a statesman? He's a sleazeball. So he had a rally Friday, and they invited this rapper, Farrell Williams, you know, the happy song that we play from time to time here. And Farrell Williams shows up, and really makes a mockery of the entire event. Cut to go. We have to keep that same energy. So I'm not here to tell you to, to vote for a person or vote for a party. I'm asking you to vote and be a part of the process of being a Virginian. Ooh. Well, I don't think that's what Terry McAuliffe wanted to hear. Do you, Mr. Producer? Then Terry McAuliffe is on Meet the Depressed with Schmuck Todd, fellow Democrats. Cut three, go. So, Governor, what about that that you feel as if you were taken out of context? Do you feel as if everything you said there should reassure parents that they have some say in their kids' schooling? Listen, that was about a bill I vetoed, which people were very happy that I vetoed the bill, that literally parents could take books out of the curriculum. You know, I love Billy and Jack McCall of my parents, but they should not have been picking my math or science book. We have experts who actually do that. And look what happened. He is closing his campaign on banning books. It's created a controversy all over the country. He wants to ban Toni Morrison's book, Beloved. So he's going after one of the most preeminent African-American female writers in American history, won the Nobel Prize as Presidential Medal of Freedom. And he wants her books banned. Now, of all the hundreds of books... Now, he doesn't want her books banned. This is ridiculous. And he's not even challenged. 
I wonder how many copies of American Marxism are in the uh, public school libraries today. Are they, have that, has that book been banned, Mr. Producer? Has it been banned? I wonder. How many are in, the, uh, in high schools all across this country? I'll bet none. So the Democrats do this all the time. Now, folks, do you want experts picking the books? What does that mean, experts picking the book? Who are the experts? Who are the expert book pickers? Now, I know the Democrats have expert nose pickers, but do they have expert book pickers? And I could go beyond that, but I won't, to other body appendages. But still, they have expert book pickers. For the li- and doing a great job so far, all kinds of pornography and anti-Americanism and racist books. The expert book pickers are people pushing critical race theory, people pushing transgenderism as a, as a movement, people undermining American history. These are the expert book pickers. Now, nobody says parents should be there picking all the books. But parents should be involved in the process. That is, if somebody's going to pick a book, an expert book picker, and that book is unbelievably outrageous, pornographic and so forth, more and more of that crap is showing up, yes, the parents should be involved. But Terry McAuliffe doesn't agree. And he goes on Meet the Depressed and misleads the people watching. He says, you know, my wife and I had five kids, so of course we support the school system in Virginia. No, he doesn't. Four of those five went to private school. And I have no problem with that. I have no problem with people going to private school, but they do, particularly if they're poor. Go ahead. Why did you take the one black female author? Why did you do it? He's ending his campaign on See a racist... See what I mean? He's just trying to create the impression that this man is a racist. And Youngkin is no such thing. There's no support for this whatsoever. So according to Terry McAuliffe, if we play along, if a black person writes an offensive book, or a book that attacks the country, that stays, because if you oppose it, then you're after black people. Terry McAuliffe does not want to run against Glenn Youngkin. He wants to run against an imaginary candidate that he creates. He creates the narrative. He doesn't want to run against Glenn Youngkin. He wants to run against a concoction. Go ahead. Just like he started the campaign when he talks about election integrity. But Chuck, we have a great school system in Virginia. Dorothy and I have raised our five children. Of course parents are involved in it. And you see, Chuck doesn't know enough to say, wait a minute, we know you raised your five children, but 90% of them didn't go, what, I should say four out of five. So that's 80% of them didn't go to the public school system. Why not, Terry McAuliffe? Why didn't they go to the public school system? You say you support it. You want to be governor a second time. Quality education is the number one issue. Go ahead. question should be, could an extreme Republican bill that would allow parents to take books off of shelves, should that be left in the hands of the parents, or should it be left... Nobody's saying parents should come into libraries and take books off the shelves. Look how he's twisted everything, because he's twisted. He's the one that said parents should not be involved in making decisions about their schools. And now it's parents going into the library removing books. Now, we all know the book burners are on the left. We all know the monument destroyers are on the left. We all know that those destroying American history, our economic system, our sovereignty, they're all on the left. They're McCullough supporters. 
They're Biden supporters. So I would ask McCullough this question. If there's a book promoting Hitler on the bookshelf, should we leave it to the experts or should we remove it? Ah, yeah, ah, yeah. And by the way, you notice his Virginia accent, Mr. Producer? There is none Virginia accent. More. Cut four, go. I understand that, but they would say this is not about banning a book. This is about informing parents that a book may have some material that uh, not all parents will be crazy about. We should let you know that your kid is going to be dealing with this material. Is that out of bounds? That's not out of bounds, but if you look at what the bill would be, they ultimately would have led to books being removed from our classrooms. And mm-hmm. this is, they say, we're the fourth best school education system in the country, our K-12 system. And it's we're dropping gr- fast, very, very fast in the Commonwealth of Virginia. It's dropping very, very fast. Go ahead. And I'm going to raise teacher pay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a, a children pre-K oh. education, those at risk, three and four-year-olds. How about I'm- merit? You going to support any kind of merit with teachers? You're going to raise teachers' pay? I'm not opposed to raising the pay of qualified teachers who actually teach. But he is. Go ahead. But he access to Broadway. What's Glenn Youngkin's education plan? He wants to ban critical race theory. Well, let me explain to you. It's never been taught in Virginia. Yeah. Number two, he says he wants to... All right, one- let's, let, let, let's just stop there. It's never been taught in Virginia. Christopher Rufo went on social media and eviscerated this buffoon. That under Terry McAuliffe and his Department of Education, critical race theory was in fact a required subject for the first time ever to be promoted by teachers and administrators in the Commonwealth of Virginia. No question about it. When we come back, I will elaborate on this. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. His vote doesn't matter who you vote for, he says. Smarter than McCullough. All right, Christopher Rufo. Terry McAuliffe's closing argument is that critical race theory is a racist dog whistle that's never been taught in Virginia. He says, but I can debunk this lie and prove that McAuliffe himself was the first Virginia governor to promote critical race theory. In 2015, then-Governor McAuliffe's Department of Education instructed Virginia public schools, quote, to embrace critical race theory, unquote, in order to, quote, re-engineer attitudes and belief systems, unquote. They explicitly endorse critical race theory. He can't wiggle out of this one with word games, and he provides a photo of, of the dictate. Under the Northam administration, this is the blackface, ro- white-robed uh, nutjob who's the governor, who the Washington Post is now supporting, uh, not for re-election, he's not running for re-election, of course, but, but promotes him because he's now a lib. Superintendent of Public Instruction James Lane sent a memo to Virginia Public Schools endorsing, quote, foundations of critical race theory in education, unquote, calling it, quote, an important analytic tool, unquote, that can, quote, further spur developments in education. Right now on its website, the Department of Education in Virginia recommends, quote, critical race theory in education, in education 
as a best practice and derives its definitions of racism, white supremacy, and educational equity explicitly from critical race theory. At the district level, Loudoun County Schools hired a consulting firm to implement, quote, critical race theory, unquote, and developed a high school class explicitly teaching critical race theory. Even the district superintendent admitted the curricula aligned with the ideology of critical race theory. McAuliffe is playing a linguistic shell game to obfuscate about critical race theory, but the reality is the Virginia Department of Education promotes all of the concepts of critical race theory, so-called systemic racism, white supremacy, white privilege, white fragility, etc. And he's included on his social site the full documentation on critical race theory in Virginia public schools. So McAuliffe and the Democrat Party are lying to try and muscle through tomorrow's election. And they have lied right up to this election, so the early voters don't even know what's going on. And then he goes on Meet the Press. How hard would it have been for the investigative staff at Meet the Depressed to gather this information? you got one man here, Christopher Rufo, doing it on his own and putting it on social media. How hard would that have been? In fact, he put it up on his site. On October 30th, which was Saturday at 11.16 a.m. So if Chuck Todd were really interested and NBC had really been interested, they would have seen it on the site and they could have used the information in their interview with Terry McCullough. So this man has no reason to be governor of Virginia and every reason to be, you know, pushed back into the private sector. That's the truth. So here you have this race. You have this man who's never run for office before, Glenn Youngkin. He's up against this machine, this Marxist-slash-Democrat Party machine, which is destroying public education in the Commonwealth of Virginia and all over the country. And so people are watching this. And they're saying, do we have a chance to push back or not? And I'm talking about people who care about the education of their children, that it be a quality education, not indoctrination, not brainwashing. And that's really the key issue that's up for a vote now. Will Terry McAuliffe be able to muscle his way through by endorsing this truly radical, anti-American, hate-filled, racist agenda? Will he be able to muscle his way through with Soros and other front groups backing him? All kinds of money pouring into his campaign, dark money, with last-minute hit ads left and right to try and create a caricature that does not exist. If an army of, of patriots, regardless of party, turn out tomorrow and overwhelm the precincts, Youngkin will win. I encourage you all, please call as many people as you know and get them out the vote. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, they have this climate change conference. 
85 official U.S. vehicles were used to transport people. And uh, one-third of the cabinet was there. And billionaires and Hollywood types flew in on their private jets. I read one report that enough fuel was used that, that Scotland, in essence Scotland, would have used in an entire year. So the idiocy of this entire thing is really amazing. And of course China, Russia, and India did not attend. China being the biggest polluter in the world, India number two, and I'm sure Russia's way up there too, even though they don't have that many people, quite frankly, what, 170 million, give or take, depending on what lands they conquer. But there was a moment when, uh, when other speeches were being given at this event by other so-called world leaders, and Joe Biden fell asleep. Cut 12, go. Yes, this is the fifth day of the president's overseas tour, and he was uh, seen on camera with his eyes closed. It appears that perhaps he was dozing, and in these settings, uh, cameras are all around, and the camera caught uh, President Biden, who turned 79 later this month, uh, with his eyes closed for a period of time. And you're right, these can be embarrassing situations. Not for Joe, because he doesn't even understand what's going on, but for us, yes, in the United States of America... Yes, it's very embarrassing. Very embarrassing. And apparently Jill's not embarrassed. Dr. Jill, excuse me. But let's listen to some of this. Joe Biden at a UN climate change conference today. Cut seven, go. State the obvious. We we meet with the eyes of history upon us and the profound questions before us. It's simple. Will we act? Will we do what is necessary? Will we seize the enormous opportunity before us, or will we condemn future generations to suffer? This is the decade that will determine the answer, this decade. The science is clear. We only have a brief window left before us to raise our ambitions and to raise to meet the Do you task. realize how imbecilic this whole movement is? Every decade they say we only have a decade. None of what they predict comes true. So just like McAuliffe in Virginia, they have to lie. Now, as bad as the hurricane season was for certain areas of the country, it wasn't a horrific hurricane season for most of the country. So I don't downplay the, the, the terrible nature of the hurricane that did hit. What I'm saying is there weren't as many. Now, does that mean there's global warming or not global warming or climate? No. We have literally no control over this. No control whatsoever. And it's the same people who push critical race theory. It's the same people who push transgenderism as a movement. It's the same people who oppose capitalism. It's the same people who went open borders. Have you noticed that? It's the same people who attacked the heart and soul and core of this nation that embraced this climate change degrowth movement. These politicians do not have the kind of knowledge they want you to believe they have. Science doesn't either. It simply doesn't. 
There are great disputes over this, whether man can even contribute to it, whether he does, if it matters, if it gets warmer, if that's bad or good, whether it's the sun, whether it's God knows what. This isn't resolved in any respect. But because it means seizing private property rights, seizing your labor, your physical and intellectual labor in the form of your income, bullying you around, telling you what to do and how to do it, the same American Marxist movement and the European Marxist movement that is trying to fundamentally transform human nature to re-engineer society has glommed onto this. They've glommed onto this. I think it's important, the point I'm making, all these sub-Marxist movements are in on this. And they're each in on each other's movement. So this isn't a matter of science, it's a matter of politics. More and more, like the vaccine, is a matter of politics. It's not a matter of science. There is no justification to force five-year-olds up to 11-year-olds to be vaccinated. None whatsoever. None. Furthermore, and we'll address this, if not later this week, next week, the CDC is now lying about natural immunity and antibodies. And there are real scientists looking at their data saying, what, is this a joke? And we have real studies out of Israel and other places using an enormous number of individuals that make it abundantly clear, abundantly clear, that natural immunity is superior to the vaccines. So what does the CDC do and what do the Democrats do? What do the media do? They want us in a constant state of panic over a pandemic. They want our lives to be forever controlled. And so they're saying, oh, no, 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 no. We have evidence that demonstrates, the real data that demonstrates that that's not true. And it's a lie. How can we trust these people when it comes to climate change? Look at the nomenclature they use. Climate cooling never worked. Climate warming never worked. Global warming. And so climate change, if it gets colder, it gets warmer. There's more hurricanes, less hurricanes, whatever it is. I encourage you to turn to the chapter of In Liberty and Tyranny. I call it Envirostatism. Page after page after page, even back then, almost 13 years ago. The media and politicians pointing to anything and everything, even opposites that are occurring as a result of, back then, global warming, now climate change. This is a hoax. That is, a hoax that there's a damn thing we can do about it. And by the way, the communist Chinese don't give a damn. They're mining and using more coal than ever before. Because they want to make sure that the billion point four people they have there don't freeze this winter. So they'll do anything. Which is kind of amazing considering in our country it's not given a second thought. Let's go to cut eight, Mr. Producer. Go. Within the growing catastrophe, I believe there's an incredible opportunity, not just for the United States, but for all of us. We're standing at an inflection point in world history. No, we're not. Not over this, anyway. No, we're not. Look how they create these, uh, these great events, and these great statesmen are going to tackle them. And what's the answer, ladies and gentlemen, to make you poorer? To make you less free and to make you more uncomfortable. 
It's you. You're the problem. You, the American citizen in particular, you are the problem. You live too well. You have too much. Your liberty is interfering with our plans, with our human experiments. You see how they mock liberty when you bring, oh, about liberty. Oh, yeah, well, your liberty ends, you know, you get it. This is more of the same. It's the same mentality. It's the same totalitarian thought process. It truly is. And they're going to keep pushing it. And it's in this budget. The spending bill. Hundreds of billions of dollars to destroy your way of life. Go ahead. To invest in ourselves and build an equitable, clean energy future. And in the what process, does that even mean, an equitable, clean energy future? What's an equitable, clean energy future? What does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything. What does that mean? Equitable. It sounds like Professor Erwin Corey, the comic. All right, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. have meaning. They really do. And sometimes you don't even know in advance what the meaning is. And there was a man who was elected president of the United States. He didn't have a particularly big portfolio. He wasn't elected to much before. He'd been a House member, but really kind of a backbencher. And he ran for the United States Senate in Illinois. Even though the state legislature would appoint the senator, they ran to try and build support and you may have heard of him, his name was Abraham Lincoln, and he ran against Douglas. And he became, if not the greatest, certainly one of the greatest presidents in American history. And our buddy Brian Kilmeade is on top of this, the president and the freedom fighter, and I believe it's relevant to what goes on today. It's a fantastic new book that comes out tomorrow. Brian, how are you, my friend? Hey, Mark, uh, how are you? Let me look. I'm fine, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm excited about tomorrow, but I'm also excited that everything that I wrote back in history is happening now. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, the thing I think that people can get a perspective on what we're going through now and how much better everything is than it ever was if they understand where we've been, and also that we get these characters in our country that step up at uh, times you never expect, but through our through our history. The right people seem to step up when we need the most. Let's see what happens next. Now, that's right. And uh, it was a fascinating relationship between Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Uh, Douglass early on was a skeptic, wasn't he? But hopeful in that he, he sees this Lincoln. He, sees, he, he, he hears about him. He knows that he's with his new Republican Party. And he sees and he, and he reads and everybody reads about the Douglas debates. And he's talking about that everyone needs to be free and that this, we cannot exist the way we're going at it. And he had the courage to not only say these things but back them up. Go back to our founding fathers. And he, went, he said, what did Jefferson think? What did Monroe think? What did Washington believe? What was, how would they feel about this? When it went to the Constitution, what did they really expect? And, and he concluded what Douglas concluded, which gave Douglas hope, that we were not living up to our Constitution. We did not have to redo our Constitution. We were based on the right things. We weren't there yet as a country. And nothing got solved until they met. 
he began to see the potential in Lincoln, but the country wasn't ready for a guy to walk in there and say, yeah, hey, South, release four, yeah, you 350,000 land uh, 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 slave owners, release 4 million slaves. He knew we weren't there yet, but he knew how to get us there. Douglas didn't understand the patience, the politics of it. I get it. He was born a slave. He didn't want to waste one more day knowing that other African Americans were fighting for freedom that he earned, that he got, and became this internationally known lecturer in intellect. And when he finally met Lincoln, he, Lincoln, he realized if he went as fast as, as Douglas wanted, he'd have no country to keep together. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people are very critical of Lincoln, even today. You know, all these people who look back at history and believe history began, you know, when they were born. (laughs) They don't look at the circumstances of society at the time. You point out the difficulty at the time. Uh, Even the great leaders and statesmen, uh, were they imperfect? Of course they were imperfect, but for their time they were really quite quite advanced in terms of uh, believing in the human condition and so forth. And Lincoln was that man, wasn't he, despite the attacks on him? You know, the thing is, what I find encouraging for me personally is if you have these great people of all time, right, these historic figures, and you understand they weren't there in the beginning and they evolve. Lincoln evolved. I mean, Lincoln, after he gets elected, seven states leave, and he gives an inaugural, which basically says, hey, guys, come on back. Keep your slaves. Let's just get, we'll, we'll work this out. Uh, in fact, I'll put an amendment in the Constitution against you to keep your slaves. Drove Doug, Douglas crazy because his goal was to keep the Union together. But by the time he runs for election, the guy's an abolitionist. By the time he runs for election, he's seeing African Americans fight with tremendous valor in the Civil War. I talk about this November uh, on Sunday. I know you own Sundays, you own the weekends on Fox, but at 10 o'clock, doing a special, the President of Freedom Fighter. And, and, and the, he runs on his second inaugural on basically like an abolitionist. And then he works with Douglas to make sure that you know, the, the southern uh, African Americans would have a shot at freedom, and here's how to do it. And they go in and, they go in and list all these African Americans to get into, the war, uh, get into the war effort and fight for their own freedom, 200,000 strong. Now, you look at some early quotes at Lincoln. He's cutting edge. He's pushing society. But today, he'd be looking at somebody that, that didn't think the races were equal. He'd be looking at somebody that would be viewed maybe with racist, racist views. But in his day, and to Douglas himself, he was anything but. Benjamin Franklin had slaves. He died an abolitionist. In life, we improve on little levels and big levels. In life, our country constantly improves. The thing that makes us great is we keep trying to be perfect. It's not that we're not great because we're perfect. It's great because we try. And these individuals rise up from obscurity and lead us, whether it's Truman for some, whether it's Reagan for others, certainly Grant for all. It's, it's these figures rise up for the most unexpected circumstances. Not perfect, but, man, pretty special. And I just think that's what's great about our country. I mean, we are the most successful multiracial society in the history of man. And if you're caught up in today's headlines, you don't realize it because we're not perfect. But if you travel, if you educate yourself, if you go back in our history, you will feel better about our country every day. Mm-hmm. Plus, there are people trying to exploit and destroy this country of a completely different uh, ideological perspective than one that focuses on individual liberty. Now, 
Frederick Douglass. Tell us a little bit about him. He was clearly a brilliant man, way ahead of his time. Uh, yeah, brilliant in every way and determined. And here's what I mean. Back then, if you taught a slave to read and write, you go to jail. And they knew if you give African Americans an equal shot on some level, they knew there's no difference, as we know, between races. So they said, okay, we need these guys, and they got to work for us, and we need these families. We're breaking up these families. It's as brutal as you can imagine in the South. And the North is only 1% of the African-American population there. They don't relate to slavery. It's not part of their society. But in the South, it is. And they were born into it, these generations, from uh, Monroe to Jefferson to Washington. They didn't invent it. It was happening on seven continents. All right, hold your, hold your thought. The book is called The President and the Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the Battle to Save America's Salts. Fantastic book, as are all of Kilmeade's books. We want to continue. We'll be right back. Plastic conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. The book is The President and the Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul. It's on Amazon.com. It's in every major bookstore starting tomorrow morning. And it's by our friend Brian Kilmeade, who writes these books and does a superb job in writing them and so forth. Uh, I want to go on with this. Uh, 1860 was quite an interesting election, wasn't it, Brian Kilmeade? Yeah, I mean, you talk about Donald Trump, oh, he didn't win the popular vote. How about you don't lose, win anybody in the South? He didn't get any Southern votes, Abraham Lincoln. And if Stephen Douglas doesn't have his vote split by other Democrats, he might have won, uh, too. But uh, Lincoln really made his mark in the Lincoln-Douglas debates. They knew where he stood. They knew how smart he was. They published all his speeches. He has famous Cooper Union speech, gets the nomination, gets the presidency. Can you imagine, whatever you think the country was divided when President Trump was there or that George Bush uh, and Florida, forget it. Can you imagine seven states just saying, if you're the president, I quit? Mm-hmm. I quit the country. And then Lincoln had to decide, with no big military background, i got to go get this army together, i got to put them together quickly, and i got to win. And i got to win in like 90 days, and we'll fix this thing. Uh, the problem is it won four years, and they almost lost the thing, even though they outnumbered the South three to one, mainly because uh, the South had the generals, the North had the hardware, they had to ramp up, and they finally picked the right guy. And I just think that uh, overall, when I saw Condoleezza Rice hop on The View, and I wrote this on FoxNews.com, I said, I don't have to worry about this debate being part of the news. We're still debating uh, about our past and what role it should play in our future. And when you see Douglas, born a slave, never knew his parents, just to build in the last question you had, never knew his parents. He was determined to make something of himself, learn to read and write. He manipulated his way to doing it from running errands on down. And next thing you know, he's an abolitionist leading a northern movement that really helped plow the way for the Republican Party to emerge and for Lincoln to be there. Lincoln wins this election just barely, walks into the White House, even though threats on his life, he gets there with an enemy 15, 20 miles away and basically said, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. You, you, know, you talk about ominous. You know, I talk about the War of 1812 when we look at what happened. 
and obviously the Revolutionary War, no one thought we'd win. I would argue this obviously had our country uh, on its heels in a way that almost no other nation would have survived, except ours, because we had the right people at the right time. And on your point, just to jump ahead in history a little bit, when the uh, Japanese attacked us at Pearl Harbor, yeah. and Churchill said, well, now, now the Americans are finally in the war. As you know, he was begging FDR to get into the war, but we were isolationist. Uh, some said to Churchill, well, the Americans won't fight. And you know, obviously, Churchill, his mother was an American. Yep. And he said, well, maybe you should read the Civil War. The Americans will fight, and they know how to fight. Because of that Civil War, there was one horrific battle after another, wasn't it? 600,000-plus dead. The courage that these men had to show every single day, many of which learned to be in the military that the, the week before. And then they'd have to go and march and run into an open field where there would be a slaughter. And you're talking about tens of thousands dead. You win the Battle of Van Dieten, but at what cost? You know, you, you have the, the Battle of Bull Run. They basically lost twice. At what cost? The carnage was unbelievable. The courage was incredible. Uh, in the meantime, they have the howitzers guns are introduced at that time, too. So, and you see these generals, and you have a president in the United States going, this general's ineffective, you're fired. This general's ineffective, you're fired. This general won't move, you're fired. Give me Grant. And he finally gets Grant, and he gets Sherman. He gets the right guys. That, to me, is leadership. And anyone who thinks that Americans won't fight, you're absolutely right. Uh, that, those were the days. I mean, the next, the next major battle would really be uh, World War I. And, the, I, I mean, no one doubts uh, the courage of Americans. They just don't want to get involved. From day one, when Washington does his inaugural, says, listen, let them fight. That's not our problem. We're all the way over here. Now there is no all the way over here. That's why, Mark, I am, I'm, I know you fight for the country every day, but I am ultimately convinced that we're going to get the right person at the right time to lead us through this difficult but not, uh, not impossible uh, time right now. I don't necessarily disagree or agree with you, and I'll tell you why on this particular issue, because such a significant percentage of the people in our country are not even familiar with its history. I know. And they're being brainwashed with critical race theory and this other stuff, and people are coming into this country, and they're not being encouraged to assimilate. And that's kind of why I wrote my book, that, the, that, this, that this movement we're up against is a unique movement uh, and collection of movements, and it is imported from Europe, and it is disastrous. And I'm, you and I fight every day. We're, we're trying to make sure that does not happen. Uh, but uh, when you look when you look today at Biden and the Democrat Party, how they're trying to change the rules of the game so they can't lose. They're trying to turn the whole country into California or New York at this point. And this is the problem. This is the problem. So I think if if we had somewhat of, of, of an acknowledged, you know, system, you don't attack the system, you fight within the box. I don't think I disagree with you, but more and more I get very, very concerned about it. But we well, do need uh, these powerful figures, don't we, in order to uh, who believe do. in liberty. And just to build on what you just said, and, and there's nothing you said that was inaccurate, but I'll give you something that gives you should give you solace, and that is those approval numbers, and that is what's happening in Virginia, and that is what's happening where if you saw that uh, a poll that said 
uh, Republicans are now favoring when it comes to the economy, when it comes to security, uh, when it comes to um, uh, when it comes to crime, by 20 to 30 percent over Democrats. The American people are looking at this ever since Afghanistan. I think the American people are looking at this in a, with a fresh look, and I think they're understanding. Uh, and, and when they stand up to the schools, everything you wrote about, they're standing up saying they're outraged. But if they just, we waited for somebody to get make give the speech and get you outraged. That's one thing if you attended that speech. But when it goes into your living room and kitchen, uh, I don't even know if these people are Democrats or Republicans that are yelling at these school boards. They're speaking up. Mm-hmm. They're concerned Americans, and the and the and the natural way the pushback I find so encouraging. And if. Uh, the fact that Youngkin's was within a point and he surged the last 15 points on pure performance and issues makes me think this country is ready to self-correct. I, listen, I don't disagree. And this is something we've been pushing very, very hard here. But you can't deny the trajectory. You can look at a set of polls. You can look at an election here and there. You know, Ronald Reagan, uh, 40 years ago, he was elected. And I don't think Ronald Reagan would recognize his country today. So I, not, it's not that I... I don't think we should fight and push back, which is the point of the whole last chapter in my book. I don't disagree with that. And there have been movements in the past, whether it's the Reagan Revolution, the Tea Party movement, the Trump movement, this movement, which I believe is a movement now. The problem is the culture is being devoured. So you can't... I'll give you an example. You're not going to get a break in the media. You're not going to get a break in academia. You're not going to get a break uh, when it comes to uh, the bureaucracy, which is really owned and paid for by the Democrat Party. And when I served in the Reagan administration, they were undermining us every step of the way, just as they undermined Trump every step of the way. So to me, it's not so much that the heart and soul of the American people are lost. The change of the demographics is a big issue. And even more than that, the disconnect between the institutions and these polls you talk about and the American people. There is a huge disconnect. And so... I don't mean to go off on a tangent with you here. No, no, so, I'm with yeah. you every step of the way. All right, let's get back to this book, because it's a fantastic book. Why did yeah. you decide to write on this subject? A couple of things. As you know, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, was next. Yeah. I tried to do something different besides the Alamo. Okay, I got to do the Alamo. You saw that. You don't know San Jacinto. And then you don't know who Sam Houston is. And you don't know that Sam Houston said, hey, Texas, if you leave and fight with the South, I quit. Mm-hmm. So uh, he quit as governor. And I thought, okay, you know, do I really want to dive into race? Do I want to dive into the Civil War? Do I want to touch Lincoln? Everybody writes about Lincoln. Everybody writes about the Civil War. You know, these documentaries after documentary. And I go, well, what I like to do is not skip over race. I want to talk about where we are and, and who this figure was. Why is it the book of the year four years ago was this David Blight book? Who is uh, Frederick Douglass? And I see this remarkable, determined guy that manipulated himself to learn to read and write and then got the same book as Lincoln as a child who had the same frustration, the Columbian orator, that had all these biographies and essays from Washington and Plato uh, and, these, uh, and Caesar. And he talked about all these, he's seeing all these people in history, and his mind begins to open. He reads the Bible, and he begins to hope. And then he says, you know what, I'm going to make this country better. I'm going to escape to freedom. I'm demanding this country improve, not looking for another country. I'm not going to tear up this Constitution. I'm going to make it live up to this Constitution. I go, wow, what if I tell these stories? I'm not doing a biography. What if I tell you these parallel lives and how they intersected for a short period of time to do something so extraordinary for a country that was teetering on the edge? What if I told that story? And what could have happened 
had they lived. The guy who hurt our country more than anybody else in history is John Wilkes Booth. Because if you took, in my opinion, if you let Lincoln live through the 1860s, we wouldn't have needed the 1960s. He was going to flood the South with housing. He was going to flood them with flood them with teachers. He knew it was going to be a brutal transition, but he would have sawed through. Instead, we got this brutal racist and Andrew Johnson, who had no interest in having the South align, and therefore we struggled for the next 50 years. So I thought, what if I tell that brief window of time when our country was saved by a black man and a white man? And even though he grew up in these times, when he got a chance to meet Lincoln, and Lincoln had a chance to meet him, he ends up on the stage at the second inaugural. Mm -hmm. And the first thing he says when he sees him, he said, looked across, he sees Frederick Douglass in the White House, and he said, Frederick, what did you think of the speech? And Douglas says, don't worry about me. You've got a house full of people. He goes, there's nobody whose, whose opinion I care more about. What did you think of my speech? And he said it was a sacred effort because he talked about forgiveness and coming together. And if he is racist, why is that man in the White House? Why is that exchange put down by Frederick Douglass in his biographies? Why does everyone chronicle it? Because he wasn't. He was a person of his times who saw greatness in through skin color and saw greatness, and they would have been an ins- they would have been an unbeatable pair if they had more time. But when they were together, they they did incredible things from recruiting uh, to the Emancipation Proclamation on down to the influence that he had in writing it and getting it out. And I and the fact is when when they were dedicating a statue in Washington, they didn't ask Ulysses S. Grant to do it, even though he was president. They asked Douglas to do it. That's how close they were at the time to the peace of people of their time. And I would add here, one of the reasons this book is so important right now. Because if you understand our history, if you understand in particular these two men, you'll understand how pernicious critical race theory is. You'll understand how it is so destructive. So rather than taking, and I'm quite serious, Brian Kilmeade's book, The President and the Freedom Fighter, and using that to teach, to teach, you know, harmony and love between races and how these two men, up against, the, up against everything, how they conducted themselves and how they did what they did, is truly amazing. And when I read these people like Kendi and Delgado and all the other race baiters and so forth, I think to myself, really, what have you done for African Americans? Because Abraham Lincoln did more than everybody and anybody who came after him. And I just say, look up Shelby Steele, John McWhorter, Ben Carson. They they overcame. They know we weren't a perfect society, but they weren't going to be stopped. That has to be the attitude for everybody listening to us. I don't care if you have horrible family situation, a terrible work situation, uh, you uh, have uh, people that are jealous. Whatever it is, find a way to overcome it. That's the story of Americans. The more you read, the more you understand. That the more you read them, you know that they had the same obstacles you had, just in a different time overcome it, appreciate where we are, do two things, read about our history and travel. When you travel and you realize how great our country is compared to what else we could be, you will fully understand how great we have it. All right, Brian Kilme, fantastic book. Levinites, I encourage you, go to Amazon.com or if you go to a retail store, but it's the president and the freedom fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul. And you'll learn a lot that is applicable today in what's going on in our classrooms. 
All right, buddy. Take care of yourself. Thanks so much, uh, Marco Vin. You're the best. Talk to you. Uh, all right. You be well. This really is a, uh, a very, very important and useful tool to counter what's going on in this country today. I don't think Lincoln or Douglas could stomach a Terry McAuliffe or Joe Biden, the language they use, the divisiveness of these men, whereas Lincoln and Douglas were fighting like hell and put their lives on the line, and Lincoln eventually assassinated, to unite this country, to unite the people in this country. You can see the Democrat Party resorting to its old propaganda and its old ways, twisting and turning language and turning American against American. And that's exactly what critical race theory does. We'll be right back. Gentlemen, uh, Nancy Pelosi, as we leave this hour and get ready for our final hour, is pushing electric vehicle subsidies. She's pushing electric vehicle subsidies. Her husband hit pay dirt on Monday because Tesla's valuation rose to $1 trillion. And guess who owns Tesla stock? Her husband, Paul. The financial dealings of Pelosi's husband, as pointed out by the Free Beacon, Paul came under scrutiny earlier this year when he purchased as much as $1 million of Tesla call options, one of the largest transactions of Tesla shares disclosed by a member of Congress. At the time, Republicans charged the House Speaker was cashing in on her power. So he's made a killing. And so she's pushing electric vehicle subsidies as her husband's Tesla stock soars. And they pretend, you know, like there's a wall between the two. It's just disgusting. How come we can't get her tax returns? I say it over and over again. We want their tax... He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Again, I want to remind Virginians who are going to vote for Youngkin or would like to and the rest of that team to make sure that, uh, uh, make sure you do. And tonight is the night to get on the phone and call as many people as you know, family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, colleagues, whatever. And to encourage them to vote too, and if you have to, drive them to the polling place. We don't have to sit back and watch the Democrats do all this. I mean, liberty is on the line. We wait for elections like this to, uh, to change course, right? We wait for elections like this. And everything's on the ballot. Critical race theory, the transgender movement, the whole Biden agenda, the whole American Marxist agenda. Uh, You and I, we have been passing the word along for months and months and months under the radar. You watch these so-called expert commentators on elections and so forth on the various cable shows. 
they don't even understand it, what you're up to. It's you. It's us. They just think these things happen. At least that's what they want to think. They don't just happen. You've been hard at work talking to family and friends and neighbors. You've been hard at work going to school board meetings. And we've been talking about this and the millions and millions of you out there. 1.1 million of you who acquired copies of American Marxism. This is the day. So is the midterm election. So is the presidential election. So is every day when we confront these movements. Because that's exactly what we're confronting today. Exactly what we're confronting today. And the way you put them down is to act. And we're going to act. And hopefully vote in mass. That's the goal here. And the rest of the country is relying on you Virginians. They're relying on you to do the right thing. Now I've talked about the fact that Terry McAuliffe had a million lawyers to choose from. There's like a million lawyers in this country and he chooses this as Mark Elias. Why? Because Mark Elias is the go-to hitman when it comes to Democrat lawyers who tries to take Republican victories and turn them into Democrat victories and he succeeded in doing that on a number of occasions. There's a website called Mediaite that was founded by Dan Abrams. You might be familiar with Dan Abrams. He's the guy that used crazy glue to glue a dead squirrel on the top of his head. And you see him on these shows, cops, like he supports cops. Yeah, right. And uh, courtroom cam or support cam or something like that. I don't know how he gets these mainstream type uh, hosting jobs because he's a radical hack, as is his daughter, a judge. His daughter, his his, uh, sister. Well, you never know, but it's his sister. And so he founds this thing called Mediaite. And in order to get a job at Mediaite, you have to have a very low IQ and be uh, pre-bubescent. So, you know, people out of middle school, pretty much. Or at least that kind of attitude and mindset. So they really are uh, embracing this guy, Mark Elias. They're brave. The media likes Mark Elias. They embrace him. They defend him. As they do McAuliffe. And uh, that's up to them. And they often regurgitate, I would argue plagiarize, but what do I know? From Media Matters. So what's the point of media? There is no point of media. Most of you are saying, what the hell is media? Why are you even talking Because I want to. But I want you to listen to uh, some of uh, Youngkin, who was on a show called Life, Liberty, and Levin last night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And he made some newsworthy comments that unfortunately was not picked up by the news division. Cut 22 ago. And you're a native of Virginia. You were born in Virginia. And um, why, do you, why do you think um, the Democrat Party... And McAuliffe, in particular, embraces critical race theory, which is this radical racist theory that was born uh, from a Marxist in law school at Harvard University. You would think that he would denounce it, that the entire Democrat Party would denounce it, but he pretends it's not happening, and then he accuses you of using it to divide people. Yeah, I I have not understood why he has been uh, uh, so dismissive of what we know is happening in our schools, and in fact... I found the first instances of it being introduced into our school system during his administration. 
where they, they started to, to use training material to introduce critical race theory into the classroom. And of course, what we know is it, it teaches children to see everything through a lens of race and then to divide them into buckets and, and have children that are called uh, privileged and others that are victims. And, and it's just wrong. And, and in fact, forces our kids to compete against one another and, and steals their dreams. And, you know, in the immortal words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we're, we're called to judge one another based on the content of our character and not the color of our skin. And that's why there's no place for critical race theory in our school system and why on day one I'm going to ban it. Wow, what a radical. What a radical, huh? Cut 23, go. Let me ask you this. Uh, you're very familiar with the Loudoun County School Board. The whole nation is at this point. Um, they have been uh, running roughshod over the parents and the taxpayers. You get one minute to speak. You have to stand outside in the rain and, and on and on and on. Um, you have denounced this school board, I believe, and I believe you've also asked for those members to resign. Why is that? Well, I have asked for them to resign. I've asked for a full investigation of the Loudoun County School Board, the Loudoun County School Superintendent, and the Commonwealth Attorney there, because over the course of the last many months, they've clearly demonstrated that one, they're not listening to parents, but it reached, it reached an, an escalated acute level when they, in fact, uh, secretly moved a, moved a young man who has now been, uh, now been found to have sexually assaulted a young woman in a bathroom. And while he was being investigated and prosecuted, they moved him quietly into another school and hid it from parents and from the public. And then he sexually assaulted another, at least alleged to sexually assaulted another young woman. Um, they are absolutely guilty of gross negligence and, and not fulfilling their constitutional duty to make sure that our children receive a quality education. I mean, there's nothing more important than the trust that parents place in schools. And, and of course, as parents stood up for this and, and, and made their voices heard, what happens is that my opponent and, and Terry McAuliffe and Joe Biden, they, they in fact uh, go to the, uh, the national uh, U.S. US uh, uh, Attorney General and next thing you know, the Department of Justice and the FBI are investigating parents. I mean, this is just so fundamentally wrong that all of a sudden the Department of Justice has been turned into a political tool to silence parents and, and uh, strip them of their First Amendment rights, not to mention the right they have in Virginia to be fully engaged, to actually have a real say over their children's education. Virginia law says they have a fundamental right to make decisions with regards to their children's education. And here we see the board of the the the, uh, the board the the uh, school board in Loudoun County. We see the Commonwealth Attorney in Loudoun County, and we actually see the federal government trying to trying to interrupt that right and and uh, and make parents in in Loudoun County sit down and be quiet. Well, when I'm governor, it is just not going to work that way. I'm standing up for parents. I'm standing up for students. I'm standing up for teachers who ask me every day, Glenn, please help us teach our children how to think and stop teaching them what to think. This is a fundamental moment in the Commonwealth of Virginia, but it's a fundamental moment across the whole country. And that's why we have so much support. I mean, people are at our website at youngkinforgovernor.com giving us encouragement to stand up for their children, too, through this election in Virginia. One more. Again, that's Glenn uh, Youngkin, the Republican candidate for governor. And tomorrow is the big election day, even though there's early election, but most people will vote tomorrow. Cut 24, go. You know, Glenn Youngkin, they have hired Terry McAuliffe and his campaign, a lawyer, Mark Elias, who was involved in the Russia collusion issue, sort of the money guy between Hillary Clinton, the DNC. 
uh, and the dossier that was put out. In other words, very, very creepy, very problematic. His uh, colleague and partner was indicted for his activities involved in that. He set up his own law firm. Hundreds of millions of dollars in dark money goes into uh, these coffers to help uh, him uh, defeat Republicans who've won races. Uh, are you concerned about this, even if you should win, that McAuliffe, because he's, he's not exactly uh, an up, upright guy, that McAuliffe, now hiring this guy, Mark Elias, are going to try to do everything they can to undo the election? Well, first, this is, this is just right out of his playbook. I mean, he wrote it, as I said earlier, and, and this is what a uh, failing politician does when they see the sun setting on their 43-year political career. But, but he can hire as many lawyers as he wants. The Virginia voters are absolutely making a bold statement. And this is not going to be a close election. You can just see us pulling away. You can see us making a statement to not just win the governor's race, but the lieutenant governor's race with Winston Sears and the attorney general's race with Jason Meares. We're going to win back control of our House of Delegates. We're winning local races all over, sheriff races, school board races, school boards matter. This is going to be a big statement, and a lawyer here and there that my opponent hires is not going to make a difference because this is going to be an overwhelming victory. So media drags Donald Trump into this discussion. The media are really mentally unhinged. So they assign another teenager, Sarah Rumpf. That's right, Sarah Rumpf, R-U-M-P-F, Rumpf, of the famous Rumpf, Rumpf, and Goldberg uh, Law Firm, I'm sure. During the interview, they write, Levin brought up Mark Elias. This is, a, this is the second time they, they mention this. A Democratic attorney who has represented political candidates in several high-profile election challenges. Elias was the focus of a Levin rant during his show on Friday. So when I have a rational discussion, according to Sarah Rumpf, it's a rant. When he accused Youngkin's Democratic opponent, Terry McAuliffe, of preparing to try and steal the election because he has hired the Elias Law Firm. And a number of lawyers since, ladies and gentlemen, have regurgitated what I said, even some law professors. Declaring Elias to be very creepy and problematic, Levin asked Youngkin if he was concerned about McAuliffe hiring Elias, because even if you should win, he's hiring this guy, Mark Elias. They're going to try and do everything they can to undo the election. That's what he just did in Iowa. That's what he tried to do in New York. Uh, that is what he did to Norm Coleman, who was leading the election. And then we got Al Franken. Al Franken. And so uh, somehow Donald Trump is a result. You know, they, they drag him in because, you know, Donald Trump brought many, many lawsuits. Actually, Donald Trump brought almost no lawsuits. Other people brought lawsuits. And they brought lawsuits in response to Mark Elias's earlier lawsuits. And so even over at Media, even the most rudimentary fact pattern is too complicated for these folks. Sarah Rumpf of the Rumpf uh, High Wire Act, I believe it was with Barnum and Bailey, wasn't it, Mr. Producer? There's the Rumpfs up there, notice? Oh, yes. Sarah Frank, Sally, and uh, Ernesto. There they are, the Rumps, the famous uh, Rumpf High Wire Act. Uh, I'll be right back. Lovin.
By the way, New York City, you shouldn't roll over either, you know. You have Curtis Sliwa in the wings there. That would be the greatest upset in American history, and I would love to see it. You know, the Democrats are sitting on their ass. They just figure they have all this stuff wrapped up. So vote. Vote, vote, vote. Everybody vote. In my opinion, anyway. Let's go to Jared in Pittson, Pennsylvania. Mark Levin app. Jared, how are you? Jared? Jared is gone. All right, let's move along. Amy, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, right across the Delaware River from Philadelphia. WPHT, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing, Mark? Very well, thank you. I was just calling because I was helping my daughter find daycare for her two children. I'm a grandma, mm-hmm. and she has a six-month-old and a two-year-old. And when I was checking schools, which are, we're talking preschools here that start at six weeks old, mm-hmm. I saw links for equity and inclusion. <laughs> and when I clicked on them, it was basically talking about how kids notice differences based on their skin color when, like, right when they're born. And it blew my mind. They go right after him at three, four, five years old. Isn't that unbelievable? Oh, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying, you know, because you like to think, I listen to you every night, I like to think, man, I hope it's really on the fringe. I hope it's really not as bad as Mark says it is. I hope it's really not as bad as what I see on the news. And then it hits you at home, you know, and it blows your mind. Like, these are my grandkids. I don't even know this is happening at this level. And you're paying a thousand, two thousand bucks a month mm-hmm. for these kids to go to these schools and get brainwashed. Being sure. taught by a bunch of uh, Marxist Democrats. They run the schools now. They own the classroom. That's why this this Virginia battle's so big. It's beyond Virginia. And uh, and look, it's an uphill battle. It's a blue state. But uh, hopefully, there's enough parents who care about their kids more than this Democrat party and this uh, racist ideology. All right, Amy, thank you for your call. You know, we do deserve some credit here. You folks, millions of you, and us here behind the mic and the crew for pushing this to the national fore and having a national conversation about this. Don't get me wrong. There are people who have been working in this field a long time, and there were disparate efforts in various school boards here and there, but we decided, you'll remember this, ladies and gentlemen, that we were going to draw attention to this, we were going to push this, it's now all over Fox, it's all over talk radio, it's all over the country. You have more power than you realize, you have more power than you think, we all do. We all do. And so now we've made this issue front and center, as we have so many. So many. Here, here we were with the Tea Party. Uh, look, I was involved in the Reagan Revolution long before I was on radio. These movements matter. They really do matter. And uh, we're blessed to have each other. This is, this is our extended family here at this national town hall meeting. That's the way I view it. Thanks to you folks. We don't just sit back and comment here. I've said many times, we're activists. We're activists. It's not enough to just comment. That's important, but it's not enough. Let's go to Marcus. Seattle, Washington, the great KTTH. Marcus, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Very well. Thank you. We love your show. My wife and my 10-year-old son, especially, Nehemiah, he loves your show. And uh, By the way, I love that name. Nehemiah, you said, right? Yeah. 
No, Nehemiah, like in the Bible. That's a beautiful name. Yeah. And um, we uh, absolutely love you. We love your show. And uh, I work for the schools out here in Seattle. And yeah. I can see, I can see uh, every day uh, um, Marxist uh, ideology taking over our schools every mm-hmm. day. I see mm-hmm. it. I've been working for the schools for over 13 years. So I've been, I, I've been seeing it because, like, some of the people that are committing crimes on our streets in Seattle are mm-hmm. some of the ones who cut class and smoke dope in the bathroom. And yeah. uh, but nothing was done doing n- nothing was done to them doing uh, doing school. So now, hey Marcus, can I carry you over? Don't hang up. All right. Uh, yes, yes. Hang on. I I don't mean to cut you off. Stay there. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, the George S. Patton of Talk Radio. Call him at 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. The straight Republican ticket this time. The straight Republican ticket. The lieutenant governor candidate is fantastic. The attorney general candidate, fantastic. Take back the House of Delegates. They eliminated the death penalty. They're pushing gun control. They're pushing abortion on demand. They want to massively increase taxes. These are not the Democrats of old. They may be old, but they're the Democrats of the American Marxist movement. Time to slap them down and push them back. Those of us who love this country, now's the time. I will put it to you the way I put it in one of the most important paragraphs in American Marxism. As soon as I find the damn thing. Here it is. Keep the music. American Marxism has made great progress toward instituting its goals over the last several years. If it is to be defeated as it must, albeit a daunting and complex mission, its existence must first be acknowledged and labeled for what it is. The urgency of the moment must be realized. And the emergence of a unified, patriotic front of previously docile, divergent and disputatious societal, cultural, and political factions and forces, which have in common their belief that America is worth defending, must immediately galvanize around and rally to the cause. We must rise to the challenge, as did our founding fathers, when they confronted the most powerful force on earth, the British Empire, and defeated it. Admittedly, in numerous ways, today's threat is more Byzantine as it now inhabits most of our institutions and menaces from within, making engagement difficult and complicated. Nonetheless, I fervently believe America as we know it will be forever lost if we do not prevail. I close my book, Liberty and Tyranny, which was published a short, now 13 years ago, at President Ronald Reagan's fateful impression observation which compels us and our attention especially now for it is more imperative than ever his famous words freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction we didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream it must be fought for protected and handed on for them to do the same or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and children's children what it was once like in the United States of America. 
when men were free. This is what's at stake now with every single election. This is now what's at stake. And this is the first one up. And so it matters hugely. It matters hugely. If you stay home, you're voting for the enemy. That's right, I said it, the enemy. And the great Thomas Paine, I call not upon a few, but upon all. Not on this state or that state, but on every state. Up and help us. Lay your shoulders to the wheel. Better have too much force than too little when so great an object is at stake. Let it be told to the future world that in the depth of winter, when nothing but hope and virtue could survive, that the city and the country, alarmed at one common danger, came forth to meet and repulse it. And that's our time. And then this, the famous words that most of you know. December 19, 1776. The American crisis, number one. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. And it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom, freedom should not be highly rated. What say you? Where do you stand? We need a massive turnout. Massive. Those of you who are outside the country, you understand exactly the country. Outside of Virginia or some of these other areas that have a vote tomorrow, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You Levinites out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Montesquieu, the great French philosopher, whose name appears in a number of the Federalist Papers, by the way, who heavily influenced our founding fathers when it came to the separation of powers, once said, tyranny is not so dangerous to the public welfare as the apathy of a citizen in a democracy. Crucial words as well. Let us go to Scott, Fairfax County, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go right ahead, sir. Mark, you're a great American. Thanks for all you do. I, um, I just wanted to call you tonight to try to implore... Any of you Trump supporters uh, who uh, have sat out previous elections not wanting to vote for Republicans to please get out tomorrow. Um, I, I, I want any independent who's still on the fence to seriously consider getting out and voting for Glenn Youngkin. Um, I left Fairfax County years ago uh, to go out and move into Falkir, where it's much more sane. Um, Democrats all over the country are, are changing voting laws to make it harder to, to, maybe easier to vote, but also way easier to vote illegally. And I'm afraid that that's what's going to happen in Fairfax. So I, I just hope your your listeners will talk to their friends, talk to their neighbors, get them out to the polls tomorrow, and let's turn out and take the first step of taking this country back. 
All right, my friend, you're right on. He moved two counties west of Fairfax. He skipped over Loudoun to Fauquier County. When I moved to Loudoun County, it was, uh, didn't have nearly the population and the uh, development that it has today. So uh, they built an- enormous numbers of apartment houses and townhouses, which attracts so many of these Democrats. Then they have the subway. The clowns on the Board of Supervisors, before the clowns on the current Board of Supervisors, voted to extend this subway out to Loudoun County. So you destroy what is a quasi-rural, extra-burb, ex-burb, uh, and that's exactly what they've done. It's exactly what they've done. Let's go to Debbie Madison, Virginia, the great WMAL. Debbie, go right ahead, please. Hello. I also just want to plead for everybody to get out and vote, vote, vote. It's so important that we show our local governments that we are the people and we need to take a stand and take our government back over. It's just gotten so crazy around here. You know, like you say, they want to take our guns away, all kinds of rights. You know, it's just... They want to take your kids away. And this is what the uh, moderate Democrats, the thoughtful Democrats, not the, uh, you know, not the ones who are, uh, you know, marching in order... And the independents need to understand. If there ever was a battle over the minds of your children and your grandchildren, this is the battle. You don't want your kids coming home being racists, supporting various forms of left-wing segregation, coming home, uh, attacking the nuclear family, all kinds of poison being poured into their brains. Uh, This is a radical agenda. These are Marxist movements. I prove it in the book. It's not just, uh, I'm not trying to be provocative in the least provocative that's them it's time to get back to quality education it's time to treat children like children like children like the precious flesh and blood children that they are rather than these kids who are supposed to be turned into radical leftist zombies you never thought you'd see it in your elementary middle and high schools but here it is here it is you have a can- one candidate running says he's going to put an end to it That's Yunkin. You have another candidate who says it doesn't exist, even though he put it in the classrooms in 2015 in the first place. And so that's the choice. That's the choice. And I'll put it even more bluntly, so the enemies of this program and the enemies of this country can repeat it and regurgitate it. Do you love your country or don't you? Do you love your country or don't you? Because critical race theory and the rest of these ideologies are anti-American. They're by people who hate this country. And hate most of you, regardless of your race. Thank you for your call. What happened to Marcus? Did Marcus hang up? I guess we lost Marcus. Sorry about that, Marcus. Call again. If not today, another day. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to sound shocking to you, but Christmas is a little over 50 days away. Did you realize that, Mr. Producer? And Thanksgiving's, what, a little over three weeks away. These holidays are coming fast and furious. And so I want to encourage you, both for Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah, to get your copies of American Marxism now. 
I would go to Amazon.com or any major retail outlet. But if you're going to get them tonight, jump in. Because I notice all throughout Amazon, the discount rates are starting to edge up. And I'm going to tell you why. It's the cost of producing a book is going up. Like everything else. It's got paper. That's what a book's made out of. Paper. So if you're going to get your copies of American Marxism, and you're saying, well, I'll wait till closer to the holiday, I wouldn't wait another minute. Not another minute. And by the way, I feel that way about everything right now. Whether it's an automobile, a dishwasher, a washing machine, a dryer, whatever it is. If you're in a position to do it, you may not be. If you're in, do it as quickly as possible because this is going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. So you've got to plan for these things. Whether it's taxes or whether you decide where to live or whether it's a a purchase, small or large. You know, when you realize there's inflation and it's only going to get worse, whether it's interest on a mortgage, any of this stuff. So those of you who have been waiting and thinking, you know, I'll do a last-minute thing like I always do, I just want to discourage you from doing that and encourage you from jumping in tonight. I would like you to jump in tonight if you can. You just go to Amazon.com. Those of you who are on the West Coast or other areas of the country, if you're in Costco or Walmart, or Sam's Club, or BJ's, or Books a Million, or Barnes and Noble, and all the rest of them. Target, even. I would act quickly. I really would. Because I see the discount just starting to move on all these books, including mine. Again, because it's a cost issue. It's also a labor issue. Labor. The price of labor is going up because there's less of it. Now, my book is published in Pennsylvania, excuse me, printed in Pennsylvania, so that's a good thing. But like I said, the costs are going up. So please, if you're going to acquire copies, now's the perfect time. There's a bit of a lull. And you know the impact that you can have with this book. And you should carry it proudly under your arm with the title right out there. When you go into the office, or when you go into wherever you work, assembly line and so forth. You're the Paul Revere's, and you should be very, very proud of that. You've made a huge difference in this country already. We are pushing back. We do choose liberty. You're the red-blooded Americans out there, regardless of your skin color, who love this country and believe in this country. And you make it what it is, each and every day. Not the so-called leftists and press people and academics and all the rest of it. No, you Make this country what it is. And it's time we take it back from those who hate it, who are devouring our institutions. American Marxism is in many ways the pamphlet. The pa- I'm no Thomas Paine, but it's effectively the sort of Thomas Paine pamphlet out there. His pamphlet wasn't so small, you know. Even back then it was almost 50 pages in length. And that was hell of a, of a job to print a pamphlet like that and spread it throughout the country. And 200,000 copies in a nation with under 3 million people. The word was spread. Well, I mean, we're a nation of 320 million people. We're at 1.1 million. That's pretty good under under modern uh, conditions. But I think we need to push a little bit harder. And I know a certain significant percentage of you haven't jumped in yet. Please do. 
please do, before the price goes up and other things can happen. And I want to thank all of you who have and all of you who are about to. And don't forget, America, this isn't just about Virginia. This is about all of us. This will send a message to Capitol Hill, depending on what happens tomorrow. And I am on the watch for Mark Elias and the slip and fall lawyers who, yes, have a pattern of trying to steal elections, in my view, my opinion, whether or not the media want to admit it or not. After all, they're the Russian collusion nut jobs. All right. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless you.